Unleashed series this morning. Thank you. Thank you. I know what you're thinking. You're like, part nine? What? When did that happen? But it's true. We are nine weeks into a series. So in case you're new or in case you haven't been paying that close attention, previously on Gateway, um, we started this fall with a series uh, on promises. One of the visions that we had uh, of where we were going as a church was that, was that God gave us this idea of, like, of, of, of a well of power and a well of, of relationship that was kind of trapped. So we've been working through this series about how, how, to, how to unleash that, how to unleash us as individuals and how to unleash ourselves as a church. And we started that by talking about the promises of God, just getting deeply ground into what God has promised us, that we will always and be loved unconditionally, independent of our, what we can produce, independent of what we, how our behavior works. We are deeply, deeply loved now and for eternity. Um, the other province was that we promised us that we would be provided for, that God will give us everything that we need, that the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. The, another promise was that, uh, was that we would never be alone, that God's presence would always be going with us. And then the, the last promise that we looked at was the promise of eternity, that, 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 that whatever that God has created us for eternal life with him. And then we spent another four weeks going through issues and problems that can affect that, can, that can interfere with our ability to live in the promises of God, that can interfere with our ability to have relationships with other people that are healthy and grounded. And, and now we're kind of switching gears again, and we want to talk about practices. So over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about habits that we undertake as followers of Jesus that... That, are, that sharpen our minds, that train our spirits, that train our hearts and our bodies to be better able to follow Jesus, okay? Now, this is difficult because as we talk about the practices of the people of God, um, we don't tend to do this that well. Not because God's practices are onerous, but because as humans, as soon as we start to take on a habit, we often begin to make that habit uh, a way to judge ourselves over and above other people, right? So we talk, So today we're going to be talking about prayer, and it's very easy for us once we start to pray and to start to pray well to then all of a sudden we start to judge ourselves and other people based on how they pray and how much they pray and if they're praying and if they're not praying, okay? So we're just going to discard that altogether, okay? And, we're, but, and as we talk about prayer today and these practices, I want us to, to we're going to look at the, the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew uh, 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus kind of talks about these things. And if we go, could go to the next slide, please. So when Jesus is kind of outlining in the Sermon on the Mount uh, his, his way of being to the people that are going to be following them, he talks about these practices, and it's interesting as he kind of lays them out, because he has the first section of the Sermon on the Mount that is the Beatitudes, and he's like, you have heard it said this, I say this. And then he gets to this part about how his way of following God is different, and he, he shoves these practices together. And he basically says, like, so when you share, give what you have to people who have less than you, when you give to the poor, when you pray, when you fast, this is how you ought to do it. And there's this understanding that Jesus has that these are what religious people do, right? So if we are going to be followers of Jesus, 
uh, we need to be doing these things. These are the practices that we have. In the same way that, that, that farmers like dig the ground and take care of animals, these are the things that farmers do. These are the things that followers of Jesus do. They share with people who have less than them. They pray and they fast. They undergo some sort of deprivation. And we're not trying to create rules and structure around that, but we definitely want to step into the reality that there are actions that we can undertake that will bring us closer to God or will take us further away from God. And as we talk about prayer today, I want you to try and imagine something in your head. And this is an image We live in Edmonton, so this is an image with which you're all familiar. I want you to imagine a wave pool, okay? Okay, so you've got a wave pool in your mind, right? And and this is the shallow end of the wave pool. So you all know what a wave pool looks like. This this whole stage is going to be our wave pool. It's going to have less infectious disease than the one at West, uh, West Edmonton Mall, right? But let's think of prayer as a wave pool, okay? Now, there's some of you that are deep in the deep end of the, of the prayer wave pool, right? And you live here, and you're having a great time. And the waves are going over your head sometimes, but, but you're doing awesome in the deep end of the wave pool. That's great. And as I'm going through these, I want you, not, I don't raise your hand or anything, but I want you to think of where you are on the spectrum with prayer, okay, in our wave pool, all right? So some of you are in the deep end, right? Like, and you're just like, no, I'm here all the time. I, I have a deep prayer life. I spend a lot of time doing it. It's a source of great joy for me. You're in the deep end. That's awesome. And then there's others of you that are more in the middle. You're just like, I'm not quite as far as those people because they're often weird. We love you, deep end people. We deeply love you, but you're often weird. That's okay. We need you to be weird. But there's another group of people that are like, in the middle. And this is a relatively small group where you're just like, I'm not that, but I have a solid prayer life and I feel very confident in it. Most of you are kind of in the shallow end. This is where most of us tend to live in our prayer lives. We're just like, I'm kind of here and I'm not, that seems too far, but I'm kind of like, this is easy and it's busy and I don't know how to, and so you're just kind of in the shallow end of prayer. And, And then there's another group of you that are not in the wave pool at all. You're just like, I'm on the side, I don't understand this, I don't get it, or it feels intimidating, so I'm just going to be outside of the wave pool altogether, okay? Now, one of the dangerous things that happens, and the reason why so many of us are in the shallow end, is we hear a sermon like this where we're going to talk about prayer, and we start to feel guilty. And I can already see some of you are starting to have your shoulders go down and your heads drop a little bit. Because as soon as I talked about habits, you started to feel bad, right? You're just like, you're right, I'm not praying as much as I should be. I should be waking up at 4 a.m. and I don't, right? Or you think of another person that you know that is in the deep end and you're not that person and you start to feel guilty about that, okay? And we're not doing that today, okay? I'm just cutting that off. We're not doing that, okay? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus I'm in my mid-40s. I have never seen shame change anyone's behavior once, so we're getting rid of it, okay? So I want everybody, and I want you to do this literally, I want you to, like, kind of give your arms a shake, okay? Shake your shoulders, shake your arms, get that out. There's no shame here, okay? 
And if you're in the shallow end, or even if you're out, don't worry about it, okay? God, Jesus isn't mad at you. No one is trying to make you feel guilty. You don't have to feel bad about anything, okay? There's a musician that I used to love a whole lot, and I still have a deep love for, uh, but is in a bad place right now. But this musician once said, I want to talk to God, but I'm afraid because we, ha we ain't spoken so long, okay? He was wrong about God in that sense. Wrong about a lot of things lately. But uh, it's Kanye West, in case you're unfamiliar. Deep love for Kanye, but he's in, he's in a rough place right now. Pray for Kanye. Um, but, but he wants, he said in Jesus Walks, I want to talk to God, but I'm afraid because we ain't spoken so long. And I think that some of us get like that, that it's like, ah, oh, you know, I want to pray, but I'm not in the habit of it, and now I start to feel bad, okay? And we act like God is somewhere like, yeah, well, where were you like three weeks ago? That is not, Jesus isn't like that. Jesus isn't a bad girlfriend, Okay. He's not sitting around like, well, I'm not texting you until you text me. That is not, that's not how this works, okay? So the goal for today, as I talk about prayer, is not to get everyone who is out of the pool or in the shallow end into the deep end, okay? Deep end people are deep end people, and not every follower of Jesus is going to be a deep end prayer person, okay? Some of us, by virtue of just disposition, way that we're created, trauma, we're never going to be deep end people, and that's okay. But what I want to invite everyone here to is one step deeper, okay? Just one step, right? If you're here, one step deeper, okay? If you're out of the pool altogether, one step in, okay? That's all we're doing today, because one step today is better than what you were doing beforehand, right? And it takes you that much closer, okay? So that's how we're gonna think about prayer. There's no shame, there's no condemnation, there's no assumption that you have to all of a sudden be some deep, deep end monk type person who spends like thousands of hours in prayer. You're still gonna be you, we're just gonna be one step deeper, okay? And what's nice about this is that Jesus tells us how to pray. Can we go to the next one? So he said, Jesus is wonderful because he says like, okay, so there's this practice, prayer is a practice that we all do, I'm going to show you how to pray, but when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. So it starts with don'ts, which is really interesting. He starts with like two things not to do. So, all, so automatically, by the way, if you're out of the pool, you're not doing what the hypocrites are doing. So thumbs up to you. You're already, right? Pat yourself in the back. You're already partway there, all right? You're not doing this, right? So when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Okay, so this is interesting. Jesus uses this word hypocrites. It's the first time in human history that it's been used this way. It's just the Greek word for actors. And what Jesus says is, don't be like the actors. Prayer is not performance in Jesus' world, okay? And even though we all know lots of people who perform their prayer, God says, that's not what I'm pleased with, okay? 
and in fact, he, do, he repeats this kind of uh, through all of the patterns of behavior, through, through giving to the poor, through prayer, and through fasting. He says it's not performance. You're not putting on a play here. You're not trying to impress people. And in fact, if you do impress people, you've already gotten everything that you're going to get out of it. Congratulations. Right? Now, the only reason why I want to spend a little bit of time here is deep end people. This is something that you might have to worry about. Okay? I don't think all of you do, and I don't think that this is a, a endemic for people who live in the deep end, but I think that this is something that you might want to be a little bit concerned of and maintain a caution on, okay? That if you start to do this in order that other people will notice how much you pray, that's all you're getting out of it. And this is a big danger for people like me. And actually, Darian, for people who are ordained, one of the most dangerous things that can happen to us is that we start to perform our faith rather, rather than live it. And I've been in places in my ministry where I did most of my praying in front of other people when, it, when I was supposed to, and I wasn't doing nearly enough on my own. And the problem is not that God doesn't like wording well, not that God doesn't like you using your voice properly, all of the things that go in to public prayer. The problem is, is if I start doing this not to talk to God, but rather to impress you, then I'm, I've lost the entire purpose for prayer. Okay? So don't do that. All right? Can we go to the next one? Also, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. This is interesting. The other thing is, 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 is there's not a perfect way to do it. They talk about babbling, and there's different ways to, to, to understand this, but the most basic is that he says they think that they will be heard because of their many words. There's not a, a, the, prayer is not a spell, there's not a, a certain list of words that you're going to come up with and God's like, well, I guess I have to do that now, right? That's not the way it works. The, the uh, prayer is an actual connection with what God needs. And when we need, with, with, sorry, an actual connection with God, bringing to him our needs. And God is already aware of everything that we need. So there's not a specific formula. There's not a time that you're going to wake up. There's not a book you can buy. There's not a position that you're going to take with your body or a direction that you can point that are going to make your prayers more powerful. Our prayers are as powerful as God is. And there's nothing that we can do to make God more powerful, okay? So we don't think about having to find the perfect way. And shallow, uh, shallow end people, this is something that you have to worry about a little bit, okay? Because there's a tendency when you start to feel guilty about something and you start to feel ashamed about something, it's like, oh, I should get my prayer life right. I know, I'll go to the book Christian bookstore and I'll buy a thing that will make me better at it. And it doesn't, Right? Or I think that like, oh, well, if I just imitate what that other person is doing and take on their habits, they get up at 5.30, I'm going to get up at 5.30, then I'm going to be able to pray better. But what if you're just not a 5.30 a.m. person? Do you think that God wants to hear from you at the worst point of your day? Just like you just grumpy, no coffee, like still half asleep? Yeah, I really want to hang out with you now, right? So there's not a perfect way of doing this. It's like any kind of exercise program, right? What is, the, what, what is the best exercise program? The one that you do, okay? So we're going to 
avoid all of the kind of repetitions and patterns and things that we can buy that make us think that we're going to all of a sudden put ourselves into God's presence. We don't babble on like the pagans do because we don't impress God with our many words. We come to him. And God says this. This, then, is how we should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is how you pray. It's really simple, isn't it? And it's brief. But this habit will change everything about your life. Not because of what you're doing specifically, not because you've engineered more of God's power into your life, but if you make it a habit to every day remind yourself that, wait a minute, the creator of heaven and earth is my father and I'm in relationship with him. The God who created snow, who created hippopotamuses, who created, a little callback for last week for you guys, God, the God who created all of those things is my father and a good father. So I can talk to him and ask him for things. And he has, so our father who art in heaven, and his name is holy. He is so far different than me. And I am on earth, and he is in heaven, and there we are not the same. One of the most dangerous things about the world in which we live in in our own minds is that we start to think that we are God. And we start to forget that God is God and that we are us, right? And every day this prayer starts off by remembering that, no, God is who God is and I am who I am. And he has a plan for this world. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That his plan for this world is better than any plan that I'm ever going to make up. And I need to align myself with what God is doing in the world rather than trying to get God on board for what I'm trying to do in the world. This is the point of prayer and these brief sentences, remembering who God is and who we are, remembering that we have needs. Give us today our daily bread, that tomorrow is not guaranteed. This very night, our life could be demanded from us, but today I have needs, and everything that I have comes from God, not from my employer, not from the stores of money that I'm stored in a bank account somewhere, not from the, the many stocks and bonds that I have in my portfolio, but my needs are provided every day by the God of the universe, understanding that I have needs and he is willing to meet them. So we take this time to remember that, I am a, that God is in heaven, I am on earth, and I am a person with needs. I am a person with needs who has been wronged by other people and who has wronged other people. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us in some translations. Forgive us our debt as we have forgiven our debtors. This is an interesting structure of how these words work in with the later pa passage. It does indicate a cost. And a very helpful way to think about this in terms of this prayer, I think, is I want you to imagine, so wave pool's gone just for a minute. Wave pool's going to come back later. Don't worry about it. But I just want, we want to make another image in your brains for a little bit, Okay. 
Let's imagine that we're in the spaghetti sauce aisle of the grocery store, okay? There's only spaghetti sauce in this aisle. It's the best or worst grocery store ever, but they have an aisle that is all spaghetti sauce, okay? And I run in, so, and I run into the, to the spaghetti sauce aisle and I pick up a jar of spaghetti sauce and, and I grab it from the shelf and then I smash it on the floor, right? Now, somebody has to pay for that spaghetti sauce. Either me, or the grocery store itself, or the company that made the spaghetti sauce, or the farmer. Somebody has to pay for that spaghetti sauce, right? Because I came in and I picked it up off the shelf and I smashed it off the floor, right? Now, let's also imagine that I didn't just like grab it and smash it, but I was just being kind of clumsy and a doofus, right? And, and I pick it up and I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, extra chunky. I don't like extra chunky. And as I go to put it, put it back, it slips out of my hand and falls to the floor and smashes. It's the exact same cost for the spaghetti sauce. Whether I did it on purpose or whether I did it, or whether I did it as an accident, somebody still has to pay for that spaghetti, spaghetti sauce. And when, a miss in, uh, when we miss in our lives and in our relationships with other, others, whether we mean to or not, we incur debts against other people. And other people are wronging us sometimes. Sometimes they meant to. They meant to just come in and throw down a jar of spaghetti sauce and ruin your entire day. But sometimes they just didn't realize what they were doing. They knew not what they did, and they just ruined your day. And one of these things, one of the things that's so important about this prayer is that we remember that even on our best days and even with our best intentions, we still wrong other people and other people still wrong us. So we remind ourselves and remember that we are people in need of forgiveness and we are people who need to forgive other people. And we need to be led not into temptation but deliver us from evil. That we are people who are prone, even on our best days, to make mistakes. To get led into habits and reactions and patterns of behavior that are negative for us and are negative for the people around us. So we ask not to be led in those. Now, some of you um, may be wondering, where's the next line, okay? Because you're, And you're thinking in your head, um, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. That's a beautiful and a wonderful line but I'm gonna introduce you to a little thing called textual variance, okay? For those of us that are Bible scholars, we know all about this, but for those of you who are not, you don't. But so that line, for that is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen, that isn't in the oldest manuscripts that we have of the Bible. It appears to the best of our knowledge that that was added later. Meh, it doesn't really matter. And personally, when I pray the Lord's Prayer, I do add it onto the end. So even though it's not probably part of the oldest manuscripts. I still think it's okay, but just so you understand, this is a thing that happens in Bible translation, and sometimes it's in, sometimes it's left out, but here it's left out. But that also reminds us, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen, that we are headed somewhere, and that our story is not owned by us, but it is owned by God. And as Darian already said, he is working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We can trust that his is the kingdom now and forever. And that if we align ourselves with him, then we are going to be okay. So that's the prayer that he gives us. This is then how we should pray. And then Jesus stops and goes to the next one. 
and he adds this extra little explanation on. He goes back to forgiveness. For if, you're gi- for, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This sounds really heavy, doesn't it? And it sounds really conditional. And if we were only talking about jars of spaghetti sauce, then this wouldn't be a big deal. Okay, Spaghetti sauce here and there, no big deal. But some of you have had wrongs done to you that are a lot bigger than spaghetti sauce. Some of you have had wrongs done to you that seem impossible to forgive. And the weight of that wrong isn't just heavy to pick up and carry. The weight of that wrong is like a boulder that isn't just heavy, but also just doesn't have any handholds. And it doesn't have anywhere to grip it. So every time you try and like, I want to forgive, I'm supposed to forgive. Intellectually, I'm aware of this. And now I'm trying to, I'm trying to, and you can't. And it feels impossible. And, 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 and even if you can, get it moving a little bit. And then the, the, you can't, it, 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 it feels impossible. I don't, and and you're just like, God, I want to do this. I want to forgive this. Can I challenge you on one thing when it says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those who, 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 as we have forgiven our debtors? Jesus never intended you to do that alone. So part of prayer and coming to Jesus with our forgiveness is an acknowledgement that I can't completely forgive on my own and I'm gonna need your help to do this, okay? To quote another line from another person I appreciate, um, Chris Rock, one, one per, two people can move a couch really easily, one person can't move it at all. And coming to Jesus in prayer is acknowledging that you're, you, that you're come and, and saying that I'm going to forgive my, those who have trespassed against me is saying, Jesus, I'm willing to pick up my end of the couch. And what Jesus has promised us is that he's going to pick up his end of the couch every single time in every single way. So there is no forgiveness that is too heavy for us to carry, even though it feels that way. There's no forgiveness that is so lacking in handholds that we can't possibly grip onto it and get it up because we always share it with Jesus. And his forgiveness is full and complete, and he is always willing to help us with that. So we forgive others their sins, and your Father will forgive us our sins. So we're back in the wave pool, okay? Spaghetti sauce aisle is gone. We're good. There's no couch, no boulder, right? All that stuff's gone. We're back in the wave pool, all right? There's a reason why we do this, okay? Jesus doesn't just do this so he can say, like, I want you to talk to me. Why haven't you talked to me today? You know, like Jesus is in that stereotypical mother character who's like, you never call me anymore, right? He's... The reason why we come to Jesus is because we need to be changed, not because he needs to be changed. And the reason why we all want to take one step deeper is not just so we can perform better and say that, yeah, now we're one step deeper, and not so that we as a church can say, look how much our, our, our congregation is 15% more prayerful than they were last quarter. That is not at all why, why we're trying to do this. Can we go to the next one? 
This is how Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount. He says, therefore, everyone, and this is all of the words that he's talked, not just about prayer, but also about, like, who matters and who is, like, the the scale of, of things that he values in the kingdom, how to operate in his world. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The reason why we want to all take one step further is because that is one step closer to being fully grounded on the foundation that is in Jesus. Because as Darian already said, and as many of us have learned this week and been reminded of it and we already knew, storms are coming. The wind is going to blow, the streams are going to rise, the house is going to be shaken. But if we are one step deeper in prayer, in putting the words of Jesus into practice, then we will be much more solid. This isn't about performance. This isn't about putting on a show so we can demonstrate how pious we are. This isn't about getting a bunch of words right so that we can pretend that Jesus responds to us better because we have a bunch of words properly arranged into beautiful paragraphs. This is about building the foundation of our lives on something solid so that when hard things come, we're able to deal with it because we have been deeply grounded in a connection with Jesus as our Father, as the king of all things, as the one who provides for us, as the one who forgives us, the one who protects us from evil, and the one who leads us in his pathways now and for eternity. So if you're a shallow end person, one step further, that might might look like just making a more diligent habit. Go for it. That might look like buying that book, but not treating it like it's going to fix everything magically, but it might, but just submitting to it. It might look like doing less. It might look like trying a little bit softer and trusting that even in my failed prayers, God is still going to direct them towards him. But everybody in our relationship with Jesus, and I want to take this, this is an invitation. This is not a command, okay? But Jesus is inviting everybody in this room in some way one step deeper. Can we do that? Can we? Like, that was a non-rhetorical question, so I'm going to ask it again, and I want everybody, because I know you got confused. It's like, was that, but non-rhetorically, everybody respond. Can you go one step deeper? Okay. So we are going to close this portion before we go into singing. If we can go back to the slide that had the whole, uh, the whole uh, Lord's Prayer on it. And we're just going to pray this out loud together. And if you need this, write it down somewhere, get it sent to your phone. Just do this a couple times a day. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.